Good morning, everyone. I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Today is the 15th of January, the 15th day of 2024, leaving us 350 days on our way to 2025. Big on the agenda in Maine for the past month has been the wind, hyper-episodes of which have been punctuating our concerns as we attempt to weather whatever the winter holds. 19th-century English devotional poet Christina Rossetti asks, Who has seen the wind? Neither I nor you. But when the leaves hang trembling, the wind is passing through. Who has seen the wind? Neither you nor I. But when the trees bow down their heads, the wind is passing by. The old-timers in Maine talk about the hundred hostile days, the fact that about a third of every year in our state will have weather that is inclement enough so as to make the general ambiance of the natural environment pretty darn inhospitable, fit for neither man nor beast, as the expression goes. Looking around the landscape or the seascape or the skyscape on such days, the dearth of animal life is immediately noticeable, and we imagine where they might be hunkering down, down in their burrows, up in tree nests, under some sheltering bush? Where exactly? In his recent Bangor Daily News column, Good Birding, birdwatcher par excellence Bob Duchesne notes that lately, Maine has been visited by birds never seen here before, and that the four powerful storms that have hit the Maine coast since Hurricane Lee in September 23, including gale force winds on this past Wednesday, are moving around a lot of birds. The storms are creating havoc, he continues, alluding to the dovekey, a tiny relative of the puffin. The dovekey is an Arctic bird, but many were blown ashore in the December 18th storm. Some were rescued, but many perished. Duchesne goes on to say, North American birds have been showing up in Great Britain in record numbers this year, clearly storm-driven. Some made it to land, most fell into the ocean. Perhaps one of the most colorful, spontaneous aerial immigrants to Maine of late has been the spotted towhee that's been hanging around Fort Foster in Kittery all winter. Their nearest traditional habitat is North and South Dakota and New Mexico. Okay, everyone, can you say climate change? This morning, our slender waning crescent moon keeps company with the planet Venus and the bright star Antares. Theoretical physicist and cosmologist Stephen Hawking was born today back in 1942. Heavenward this evening in the southwest sky, our first quarter moon will be keeping company with the bright planet Jupiter, and tomorrow evening our waxing gibbous moon will pass near the Pleiades star cluster, the bluish group of stars in the constellation Taurus the Bull, and near the fiery orange star Aldebaran. Meanwhile, progress has been made on the hemlock hangar formerly threatening my girlfriend's writer's shack on the Esker by the Stillwater. After removal of numerous entangled branches and the repositioning of several winches and ropes, the hangar has been reduced essentially to a 20-foot-long hemlock log suspended a few feet above the roof of the cabin and is awaiting further reduction to eventually eliminate the hazard.
Today in 1535, Henry VIII declared himself head of the Church of England. Today in 1559, Elizabeth I in Westminster Abbey was crowned Queen of England. Today in 1759, the British Museum has it had its inaugural opening. Today in 1759, Voltaire published Candide. Today in 1846, Fyodor Dostoevsky's first novel, Poor Folk, was published. Today in 1861, the steam elevator was patented by Elisha Otis. Today in 1870, the donkey was first used as a symbol of the Democratic Party. And today in 1892, James Nesmith's first published The Rules of Basketball. Today in 1929 in Atlanta, Georgia, the Reverend Martin Luther King, a Baptist minister, and Alberta Williams King had Martin Luther King Jr., the second of their three children. His birth had been difficult, and at first, when he emerged from the womb and didn't cry, he was thought to have been a stillborn, though soon enough he would begin to develop his voice to eventually speak quite loudly indeed. In 1965, MLK Jr. recalled the first moment of becoming aware of racial hatred. When I was 14, I had traveled from Atlanta to Dublin, Georgia, with a dear teacher of mine, Mrs. Bradley. She's dead now. I had participated there in an oratorical contest sponsored by the Negro Elks. It turned out to be a memorable day, for I had succeeded in winning the contest. My subject, I recall, ironically enough, was the Negro and the Constitution. Anyway, that night, Mrs. Bradley and I were on the bus returning to Atlanta, and at a small town along the way, some white passengers boarded the bus, and the white driver ordered us to get up and give up our seats. We didn't move quickly enough to suit him, so he began cursing us, calling us black sons of bitches. I intended to stay right in that seat, but Mrs. Bradley urged me up, saying we had to obey the law, and so we stood up in the aisle for the 90 miles to Atlanta. That night will never leave my memory. It was the angriest I have ever been in my life. Today is also the birthday in 1622 of French playwright Moliere, in 1803 of Scottish poet Marjorie Fleming, in 1823 of American photographer Matthew Brady, in 1845 of American educator and first woman president of the National Education Association, Ella Flagg Young, in 1906 of Greek shipping magnate Aristotle Onassis, in 1908 of Hungarian-American physicist Edward Teller, in 1909 of German-born automobile designer Jean Bugatti, in 1915 of American actor Lloyd Bridges, in 1918 of Egyptian revolutionary and president Gamal Abdel Nasser, in 1921 of British actor Frank Thornton, in 1922 of American jazz singer Thelma Carpenter, in 1926 of Austrian-Swiss actress Maria Schell, in 1928 of American actress Joanne Linville, in 1929 of Creole accordionist Queen Ida, and of American civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr., in 1930 of American blues guitarist Earl Hooker, in 1937 of American actress Margaret O'Brien, in 1941 of American singer-songwriter Captain Beefheart, in 1944 of American singer Joan Marie Johnson, in 1947 of American-Canadian actress from Portland, Maine, Andrea Martin, in 1948 of American rock musician Ronnie Van Zant, and in 1951 of Spanish-American actress Charo.
From Orono, Maine, I'm R.W. Estella with a word in edgewise. Here's to the fourth week of winter, to the third week of 2024, and to a good Martin Luther King Jr. Day.